Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. So we said, I hope we're not liars, because we, <laughs> we said we were going to start reviewing this book. Um, we, we really haven't yet, which is fine. Uh, we eventually will get to it, uh, but we are talking about the church. Yeah. We're, well, we're just is, reviewing the title of the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you think the if you think the book the is Church long, of a thousand Christ. pages, we're going to be reviewing just the title <laughs> for, just for decades. <laughs> we eventually want to review the part of the book that deals with the relationship of the church and the state. Yes, but that would be jumping into the deep water, um, and so we wanted to wade out into the deep end. And so we are just waiting right now so that we can get you to the deep end of the church-state relationship um, and have a context for that review. So this is just like the foreword to our review. And it's probably the most important part of this whole review, I mean, because it's dealing with the essentials. It's actually really, truly dealing with the gospel. This yeah. is what, you know, we talk about the church. The church is really a church built on the gospel. Yeah. You know, it's on, on salvation in Jesus Christ. That's right. So this is the, this is the essence of, yeah. of uh, everything that's going to follow. So today we're moving to the marks of the church. And perhaps you're thinking, man, what, what the heck are the marks of the church? Well, imagine... You fly into Boise and you have, you know, 50 places that call themselves a church. And they all have very, very diverse views in terms of theology and practice. Is there a way? Is there a mark? Is there an invisible impression of which you would be able to say, well, I can, now I can see what a true church is and what a false church is. And so whenever theologians in the past talked about the marks of the church, they would say, this is how you identify what a true church is versus what a false church is. And, and I, I know we have to qualify that. I, and I, and along, with, along with that, you know, we talk about the true church, but you know, I think it also lends itself to talk about those which are more pure, less pure. Yes. You know, it's, it's like, here's the ideal, and, and you know, it's like, I know what the ideal is for me as a, a Christian or a father, and that, and I know I don't live up to those things all the time. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't hit that mark every yeah. time, but I may be a better father yeah. um, this year than I was last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hitting that mark. I'm getting closer to that mark. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and by the way, um, the, the church throughout its history, 2,000-year history, has asked the question, what, what are the marks of the true church? But really, where that, where that question really became focused was during the 16th century the time of the Reformation, when uh, leaders like Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, um, Beza, Bollinger, all of them, uh, when they realized that, when they saw that the church needed reformation, Mm -hmm. 
one of the questions that they necessarily asked, well, okay, how do we know what is the true church? What, what, what does a reformed, what, what will a biblically reformed church look like? And of course, they, their, their aim was to reform the church according to the word of God, mm-hmm. to go back to the beginning, to go back to the original witness and remove the encrusted layers of tradition uh, to, to, to nurture a true church. And uh, the, the first one that they came up with, and I'll just throw this out and I'll let somebody else pick up the ball, but the first one that they said, the true church is where the word of God is is proclaimed the word of god is faithfully proclaimed and heard i was just going to back up real quick and just talk about why about marks we use marks in all areas of life so like i used to teach mathematics so what makes a rectangle a rectangle and not a square and not a circle and not a rhombus Um, there are certain distinguishing marks that allow us to put a, a title to each one yeah we don't get to just give random titles to, you know, if it's a circle, you can't call it a, a triangle. There are mm-hmm. things that make it what it is. So the same is true. Like last night, I ordered a double bur- cheeseburger from Culver's. Well, I'm expecting something that's a hamburger to come out when it's delivered to me, that there are going is going to be meat and cheese and a bun. So if they bring me something between two pieces of lettuce made of vegetables and hand it to me and say, here's your burger, I'm disagreeing with them. Yep. It mm-hmm. does not have the marks of a hamburger. That's right. And so we have in our head distinguishing characteristics of really almost everything that we encounter in our, in our day-to-day life. So it shouldn't surprise us that we can say, for something to be called he's, a church, something has to be true about it. He's he's really going against those vegan burgers right there, and and that well they can and, call and them whatever they and, want, and, and but they're well, not burgers. The whole, but it ain't a burger. That, yes, that's, that's the whole point. That's when we we're talking about that mark of the church where the word of God is preached. It's important because all sects in the world assume that they have this name, the church, on them. That's you know yeah. you know they the Mormon they church right down the street. Yeah, we're a church. Yep, you know uh, Jehovah Witness. We're a yep. church. Yep. I mean, the you know, but they don't preach the Word of God. Right. They don't profess the as, the as the Westminster Confession would say. They don't profess the true religion. Well, mm-hmm. and and the reformers, of course, saw that the church had gone astray by neglecting the word, and and in fact by suppressing the word. Yep. Right. That Adding some, to the word that, that some other word that's that that human words had supplanted and replaced the Word of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Word of God had fallen silent in the church. And so that's why they distinguished the, the very first mark of the true church is where the Word of God is faithfully proclaimed. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to disagree with my um, Belgic Confession brothers just for a moment. And I don't, actually, you probably don't disagree with me, Russ, but... Traditionally, in reform circles, there are three marks of of the church, right? The mm-hmm. the profession or preaching of the word of God. So the pure preaching of the gospel. The pure preaching of the gospel. The administration of the sacraments or the ordinances, baptism and Lord's Supper. 
And then the third one being uh, the practice of church discipline. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so I think there's a vital difference between the first mark and the latter two marks. The first, when we ask the question, why does the church exist? We already asked, answered that question a couple of days ago, right? Why does the church exist? The church exists to be a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God. First Timothy 3 says that the church is a pillar and a buttress of the, of the truth. That's why the church exists. The church doesn't exist to perform the sacraments. The church doesn't exist to practice church discipline. Those things exist for the health of the church. So there's a difference between uh, what is this thing, so we're talking about essential marks of the church, what is this thing essential for, for its existence or for its health? And the preaching of the gospel is is essential for the church's existence. And I would just pull out the book of 1 Corinthians, we already mentioned it. What were the Corinthians good at? Well, they they proclaimed the gospel. What were they bad at? Didn't have church discipline and didn't practice the sacraments. Yet Paul recognized them as a church, though they were very unhealthy. Yeah. They, they did have some problems with the preaching of the word because they, 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 the whole, they, they, they followed men rather than the word of God. I'm of a Paul or I'm of Apollos. And so there was, right. there was, a, there was a sense in which they were attached to people rather than to the Word of God. So, I mean, yes. they had problems yeah, in that as area. We said, as we said earlier, that church was a mess. You right. wouldn't want to be a part of that but church Paul now. Recognized but he recognized them he rec- as a church. Yeah, that was the important thing. He recognized them as a church. That follows into that uh, statement. There are more pure, less pure churches. They were a, they were a definitely a, a less pure church. Yes, absolutely. I think the Belgic will help be helpful in that it after it lists the three marks, it then kind of circles back and says, in short, the church governs itself according to the pure word of God, rejecting all things contrary to it and holding Jesus Christ as its only head. And so if you think about the marks, the marks are really just flowing out of being underneath the authority of the word of God, that Jesus as the head of the church gave orders to the church to be about the proclamation of the gospel. Jesus, as the head of the church, instituted um, the sacraments to be used for the strength. For our Baptist brothers, that means ordinances. Ordinances. (laughs) And Jesus Christ gave to the church church discipline to be used for the purity of Absolutely. his body. So in the at the end of the day, the marks flow out of Christ's authority over the church, which is embedded in the word of God. Mm-hmm. That's how we know what Christ has ordained for the church. Yeah, although and, I, I think I would want to qualify that the, the, the sacraments, um, or as Josh is saying to our Baptist friends, the ordinances, uh, the, the sacraments, the, Lord, the Lord's Supper, and baptism, um, I, I will want to maintain, are not secondary somehow to the preaching of the word and the, the pre- proclamation of the gospel, because they are the proclamation of the gospel. They are the gospel enacted. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the gospel spoken, and and God has given us words, and and words matter because the truth has been revealed to us in words and is proclaimed in words. Um, but uh, Christ has also given us the sacraments, which are 
which are also proclamations of the gospel. Agreed. Yeah, that's that's Agreed. why uh, Robert Bruce said you don't get a better Christ in the sacraments, you know, than in the preached word, but you may get Christ better for yourself. And brothers, there's I, a sense in which you know you're you, that this this is the very drama that God is. This is the only drama that God's given to the church to perform is yeah. the drama of remembering His death until He comes. Absolutely, and I. Don't disagree that the sacraments are important. Like every one of God's commands in the Bible, every one of them is important, and they all flow from the Word of God. And this is one of the things Bannerman is going to make a point of. There is a difference between why the church exists and how a church is healthy. If you remember in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said, now about the Lord's Supper, I have nothing to commend you about because when you come to meet the, eat the Lord's Supper, it's not even the Lord's Supper that you're eating. So they were not even actually practicing uh, the sacrament of Lord's Supper in the book of Corinthians, and yet he still called them a church. Why? Because they professed the true religion or they preached the gospel. I think this is important only because there are people in our Reformed circles out there today that will say, well, you're not a true church because you don't practice the ordinances or the sacraments like we do. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. And and I'll just keep circling back. That's the whole more pure, less pure thing. You know, there there are – churches that don't hit those marks in all their purity they're still a church yes. just like the Corinthian, Corinthian church, church was, was. Yep. they don't hit and and that's why you know when we when we go to you talked about flying into Boise and with all the different churches and how do you know this is what you're looking for you're yes. looking for you, you know you're not looking for the perfect church you're looking for a pure church yep if you well, ever find the perfect church, don't, don't join, join it. <laughs> You'll wreck it. But I do think when we go to churches, our expectation is that that the word should be central. The word should be yes. governing everything that happens yes. in the church. That it's what's prayed, it's what's sung, it's what's preached, it's what's taught. Yes. I mean, that's really, I think, what Josh is saying earlier, if I'm yep. hearing him correctly. Yep. That the word is central, and from that comes the sacraments. Com- yep. From that comes church discipline. Yep. Is that, yep. am I putting words in your mouth? Nope. Absolutely. Okay. All right, well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. I'm glad you guys got me straightened up. I really appreciate that. Uh, We'll see you next time. 